Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these type of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Chris Bircher. He is a former academic scientist with a PhD in ecology and evolutionary biology. He retired to become a stay-at-home dad and encountered many challenges thereafter. Today, he's combining his skills in self-help and science to solve the are versus the should problem. Now, Chris, thanks for coming on. I'm excited to listen to what you have to say, but I'm thinking we just dive right into this. How do you come about like finding this problem, are versus should? <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking me that, and I appreciate you having me on, and I'm flattered to consider to be considered intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so the basics for the R versus should problem. Uh, when I was 18, I wanted to be. I, I was compelled by my parents to go to college, like many of us are. Yeah. Right? I had to, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do that, but you know, I. That's when I first felt sort of what Don Moreau, Don Miguel Ruiz calls domestication. You know, that I was being moved along by the world and taught things that maybe I, I wasn't even aware of. And I, so I went to college, I agreed to go to college because I didn't see another choice. And I wanted to, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. So I was kind of a navel gazing hippie freak. And I thought, well, philosophy sounds cool. I'd love to learn more about that. And, mm-hmm. and then all these voices. So that was sort of my R, right? I, yeah. I had sat there and thought, what do I want to do? What, who am I? I want to study philosophy. And then the world you know, my academic advisors, my dad were like, what are you going to do with that? You need to get a job. You go to college to get a job, not to. And I sort of let those voices win the shoulds, you know, I got yeah. shoulded into a different path. And at the time I remember the, the argument was, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree? The only thing you can do is become a professor. And I thought, well, I guess that's a bad <laughs> job. Nobody thinks I should do that. And what did I end up doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went on a track that I thought I would get a job, but ended up getting basically the same job. And then that's when, you know, the beginning of all that was sort of, oh, how did I end up here? And this is when I was about in my mid thirties. How did I get here? What did I do? And now like almost 15 years later, I look back and I think, wow, that 18 year old kid was living in his R, right? He, he, he knew who he was. He knew what he wanted to do. He wasn't influenced and then I spent the last 15 years, sort of, or 20, 30 years being influenced by the American dream, right? The white picket fence, the yeah. sports car, the motorcycle, the wife, the job, all that stuff. And so I thought, does anybody else resonate with this thing? And I would ask people and I, I would ask, say, say, do you ever feel like you wrestle between the person that you are and the person that you should be? And 99 times out of 100, the people would be like, uh, yeah, dummy, everybody does that. <laughs> so I thought, hey, I'll investigate this in podcast form. <laughs> yeah. I, when I saw that, like when you published your, uh, when you submitted like a request to be on my show and stuff, I was like, that is a good question right there. R versus should. Because I think a lot of people, like, I mean, I do, I mean, for those of you that listen, you know, I do an intelligent question of the day when we do this. And I'm like, man, that's that's a good question. And I like I like questions that make us think deep. So uh, when it comes to our versus should, I, I kind of want to touch on something that you said, the American dream. Like when you said that, I was like, you know, I think everyone thinks the American dream is so specific. That's like you said, the wife, the cars. 
et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I actually begged to disagree. I was like, man, I think the American dream comes down to what you want, like what you see your dream being, right? It's the government's there. So then they give you an opportunity to try and create that vision, create that dream, right? But it's not the standard, what everyone else says is the American dream. So I kind of want to get your thoughts. What, I, I mean, I don't know if this is what you did, but what came to be your American dream? What came to be like, right. Hey, this is what my dream is my vision. Well, first I think, well, number one, you're, I think you're a little younger than me anyway. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I look at people younger than me. Like a lot of people complain about millennials and all this. And I go, no, y'all have it figured out. You don't, you didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I love this. You know, I look at my kids and I like my oldest daughter has kind of drunk the Kool-Aid. She's 19, but she's kind of like, okay. I was when I was younger, more influenced by what I call the American dream. And I'll get to that. So first of all, I just think, awesome. That's what I want to hear that people aren't going to do this. Right. Uh, I used to say that retirement is wasted on the old and uh, youth is wasted on the young (laughs) because you don't actually enjoy the opportunity you have in those periods. But you, what you just said suggests to me that young people might actually not be doing what we did. And I think it comes down to what I call like the post-World War II. Of course, I wasn't alive then, but I think yeah. what happened was we the depression was really bad. And then we came out of the depression and everybody collectively went, we want a better life than this. And so I, I think there was a real cooperative period where people, adults, citizens, voters, the government all sort of interacted to be like, okay, what do we need to make a better life? And that's when this white picket fence, everybody can own a house, everybody has a job. It's a, it's a, it's a, secure job and you have a pension so that when you retire and all that was sort of created and it had this power that I think lasted up to about my generation. I was born in 72 and it started to trickle down, trickle away. And so Mm -hmm. more and more people after that were like, no, that's dumb. (laughs) You know, we're far enough away from that. But I think that the American dream at that time, there was only one vision and it was work 40 hours a week, make money so that you don't have to suffer like we did in the depression. And so that you'll have these things. And by the time you are in your twilight years, you can stop working and and have enough money to live out the rest of your life and do some fun things. And I don't think anyone was actively, nobody sat me down and told me (laughs) that's what I was going to do. You just pick it up. And you just sort of had this understanding that, I mean, everybody, I remember when I graduated high school, you were either going to go to college or you were in a trade. So you basically needed to show the world that you had a mechanism to pay your bills. And if you didn't have that, you were a freak. <laughs> right. And so yeah. nobody, you know, and it was hard. It's, you know, it's hard to be sort of outcast and set aside. And I think, yeah. you know, the younger generations, it's, it's more of a group power. You look around and there's another guy that's like, yeah, I don't have a job either. And you're like, sweet. What are we, what are we going to do? Uh, you know what? Yeah. So we just didn't have a support system where there was no alternatives. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with everything you said there. Uh, especially coming into, uh, when you said your daughter's night, I'm 19 as well. I'll date myself. Wow. I would have said like, that's great. I would have said like 30. Oh, what? <laughs> that's all, that's awesome. Not because you look old, just because you yeah, know, you got a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So I, I'm 19 and I, yeah, I, I, when you were saying those problems that arise, I'm like, I think it's slowly moving. I mean, 
where it's been so like just ingrained in our society. Like you said, it was a collective effort. It was just like, mm-hmm. especially college is like, eh, like there's still people like a significant chunk of people from my graduating class in high school went. Right. But, yeah. you know, I, you know, I was talking with some of them and like, how much, how much debt you taken on? And they're like, Oh, crazy amounts. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh man, like you comfortable with that? And they're like, Oh, well, I'll, it'll pay for itself when I get the job. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to judge. Cause right now yeah. I'm like, I barely make enough to get by. Right. Like, right. Right. It's like, nothing, nothing so wrong with that. I'm like, yeah, I want to pursue entrepreneurship. And I was like, well, let's go for it. Like, what the heck, what's the worst that could happen? Right. I fail like boohoo. And <laughs> uh, I remember reading this article and it was like 70% of Gen Z like has entrepreneur role tendencies. And I was like, that's interesting. And then I started looking at some of these companies and how they're transitioning for that. Cause you gotta, you gotta be able to treat your employees. Right. If, cause when yeah, it was right. the baby boomers, right. When they were working, it was, Hey, like we'll give you the job, the security, everything. Right. And mm-hmm. as long as you right. do what we say, and it was mutual and they, they were both fine. Well, then as it started trickling down, it's like millennials, it's like, Oh no, we actually have to be, you know, be, you know, conscious say, Hey, we'll have you work this specific thing. And like, it's more geared towards them. And now it's like Gen Z's entering the workforce. It's more of, Oh, these guys want to work for themselves. They don't like being told what to do (laughs) essentially. And it's like, it's so funny because I, I'm sitting there like, well, there's DoorDash, right? Mm -hmm. Uber. I'm like all these companies that are starting to like grow exponentially huge. Right. I'm like, that's geared towards Gen Z. They're going to be working for those companies because they have those tendencies. They're like, oh, I can work on my own yeah. schedule. I can do work when I want and I have time to go live life on my terms type of thing. So totally. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, how, how would you say like, I, I don't want you to date yourself or anything, but what would you say your generation like, where, where are you guys at now? Like where, what would you say is some of the common themes you see? What did you guys yeah, want? Those are great questions, man. It's, this is so cool because, well, let me just say this and I'll hope if I forget your question, remind me, I, I used to think that life was like uh, this hump, right? Like just a one hump thing where you, as you go, you age and you sort of follow this path and then you realize maybe you did some different things and you kind of have a new path. Maybe you like switch careers in midlife and that's it. Mm-hmm. But now I see it as this bimodal thing. Like I think something happens at your age and then something happens again at my age where, you, where you're starting to think about these things. So I think it's so cool that here we are representatives of those two periods, right? That yeah. they could have a conversation. It's awesome because I look at my 18 and 19 year old kids and I'm all of a sudden like reliving kind of those days and having thoughts about when I was that age. And there's something real, real similar about these two points in my life. And I think it probably is true for a lot of different people. Um, but yeah, so that remind me of what your question was like, Oh, well, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but I think my generation is hitting that second peak. So I was, I was born in 72 and it's a really interesting year for me because I was an ecologist and in 72, let's say 70, 69, a lot of stuff changed yeah. post Vietnam war, the hippies, the, the, the civil rights movement, you know, that didn't mm-hmm. change, but at least it, it was an inflection point. And so my generation is sort of different. Probably the first generation that was different from 
like the fifties and mm-hmm. post depression. And I think a lot of us are hitting midlife and we used to call it a midlife crisis, but now we're doing this thing where it's more like what you're saying, like what a, the money didn't do it. Yeah. I don't feel happy. I don't feel good. I got all this stuff, <laughs> but it didn't make me, it didn't do what everybody told me. I was sold a lie. The promise yeah. that this college thing would get me this thing didn't work. And uh, some of us are angry. Some of us turn to drugs. Some of us have affairs. You know, some of us wreck, ruin our lives. Some of us just buckle down and sort of ride it out and we'll die, you know, a sad life. Um, but I think a lot of us are, are looking at, at y'all and going, yeah, that's what I want. And I don't know if you're familiar with this great resignation. Oh, yeah. They're talking about so. That's happening. And it's not really with my generation, but I think we're starting to identify the things that we actually did want. We didn't want the money. We wanted just what you just said. Yeah. Freedom to make my own schedule, some autonomy, some appreciation that I'm not just a cog in the machine, but I'm a human being that has things to contribute. You know, I'm not just going to like make money for you. Uh, and that, so we're all my generation or people my age are doing a lot of different things, but I'm sort of focused on this um, change, wanting, wanting to change our lives and like live the best life we can. You know, my wife's a doctor, MD. You know, oh, if wow. somebody's 18 and thinking, what am I going to do to make a whole lot of money? Like, I, am I going to win the rat race? You're <laughs> going to do what my wife did. But, but the truth of that is, she really doesn't like her job. And our secret little dream is that we can figure out a way to generate passive income, work as few hours as possible, spend the most time together as a family and let her quit her job so that we can like get a sailboat and sail around the world or or whatever it is. Yeah. A lot of us are there. (laughs) Yeah. I think, yeah. A lot of us are at, I think COVID definitely kind of accelerated that because it forced us home and we're like, wait, wait a minute. Like I can actually, I mean, especially with the internet, they're like, I can work on my own time. Like I could work at night if I work, like if I'm more productive at night, do it. If I'm more productive in the morning, I'll do that. Right. But I'm like, all of a sudden we, I think we found some of this newfound time and it's like, Oh wait, like I like this. Like, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like, wait, I can actually like go out and do something. Oh, I can hang out with my kids. Like, this is awesome. Like, and I think again, that's, I mean, there's multiple factors I think that are, contributing to this great resignation but i think that's what comes like honestly it's people saying you know i don't want this anymore i think that's what it really comes down to is like and i love that you touched on the passive income i i don't know if you've read his book uh by robert kiyosaki oh yeah yeah the rich dad poor dad yeah fantastic book about generating passive income and all that and so I think a lot of people are transitioning to that. They're like, oh, there's other options. It's not just college or trade. It's like, oh, you can start a business. Oh, you can buy into a business. Oh, you can invest. Oh, you can go to college. Oh, it's like, wait, there's like 20 pathways I can take. Right. Like, <laughs> right. And, and as a human being, the last thing we need is constraints. What we need mm-hmm. is all of those pathways as options, I think. I mean, some people get overwhelmed by choice. Some of yeah. us do just kind of need to be pointed in a direction. Uh, yeah, influenced in a certain direction, say. Hey. Yeah, but but I think the it reminds me of when I worked at a pet store and I worked in the fish department and we had like, I'm not kidding, like 70 different fish foods. 
Oh, and man. Almost every day I would find a customer over there just staring at the fish foods, like overwhelmed to the point <laughs> where they couldn't make a decision. And I would just sort of help them. You know, it didn't matter. They're all the yeah. same. <laughs> well, but it, it, especially when well, it comes we went, to fish food, it's like, I, <laughs> I'm like, it's like, well, do I go with the cheapest option and maybe right. kill the fish <laughs> yes. or right. do I go with the more expensive one, get ripped off? Like, I don't know. But, but when it's your life, you want to have options. And, yeah. and, and ideally you have people, I've, I've, I toy with the idea of starting a new blog or writing a book or something called 13th grade, like all the stuff that we should have done in school that we didn't do. And part of 13th grade would have all these people come in and go, hey, have you ever considered this option, you know, or this option or to just to sh- so that we're exposed to those choices. So we mm-hmm. know that we have them. Cause again, for me, it was college or a trade. And the funny thing about that. So the most money I ever made with a PhD was $65,000 a year. And it's been a few years, but they're still comparable mm-hmm. numbers. My brother barely graduated high school. We started working in a bicycle shop, had a kid at 19, never went to college. And ended up, he now is a motorcycle mechanic and he makes like $78,000 a year. So two brothers, same family. (laughs) I did the American dream path. And, you know, that's a lot on me. If I had stayed in my career, I might be making as much money as him. Um, But it just goes to show you that, you know, I was told don't do trades. That's for like the dumb. Yeah. That's for the the poor kids. It's like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Finding a plumber or a welder or a mechanic right now. They got all the power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it comes down to just basic like economics, right? Supply and demand. It's like, if you totally. say, oh, everyone go to college and get this specialized degree. It's like, oh, now we have this supply of workers. And it's like, wait, where do we put them? And then all of a sudden right. trades are like this high demand. It's like, you're going to get paid more to do that. It's like, it's just, it's basic economics, right. you guys. Well, it's funny. We tried so talking about rich dad, poor dad. My wife has tried to get all of our daughters to read it. And I've even gone so far as to say, if you can write me a one page summary of this book to prove that you read it, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And so, but they have no, none of them have done it. And uh, I think you having done that is going to put you like on that, on a really good path. Cause none of us, most of people I know were unaware of that sort of thing, you know, until we were much older. <laughs> so, <that's pretty> cool. <laughs> so yeah i i like that you said like people i i think a lot of people don't take action like they have these ideas in their head like but they don't know how to go about it i i kind of want to get your thoughts how will you go about you know acting on things because i think we hear a lot a lot of stuff yeah. especially with the internet it's like man you're just bombarded with information i think especially this coming generation where we have access to literally all the information we could ever want it's yep and we can i mean we can try and connect these pieces of information i think the biggest deciding factor is going to be who acts and who doesn't so how i want to hear it from you how how do you get someone to act on things that like information and points and ideas well man that's two things one i have said that i mean we are like share, sharing a brain i've often said i used to tell my students you don't need information anymore Nobody needs to generate more information. All you got to do is click a button and you have infinite information. What you need to do is do something with it. Exactly. So I'm, 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 uh, yeah, a thousand percent. And then the action thing, I mean, that is it. And you're, and I think what happens is like uh, analysis paralysis, right? You're like the fish food. You're bombarded with so many different things and you think, well, I know I don't want to go to college, but do I become 
you know, a YouTube star. I mean, even if it's just like you want to be an influencer, well, do I focus on podcasting or do I focus on a YouTube channel and do I use Instagram or TikTok? I mean, just that stuff. And I think what people don't understand is that none of those decisions is going to make or break you. It's taking the step that's going to make the difference. And, and you'll wander through. And I think that's a leftover from my generation because we were taught that life is a linear path. You go to high school, you go to college, you do good in college, you get a good job, then you get married, and then you buy a house, and then you have two kids. And it was a linear path we were sold. And I think we're still stuck on that. When in reality, it's it's all over <laughs> the place. There's plenty. I remember when I was going to go to grad school, and grad school generally, master's degree is two years. And I was, I guess, like 24. No, I was a little later. I was in my late 20s because I took some time off. And uh, I thought, I can't possibly like, I wanted to like go to Alaska or Montana or Japan and study the ecosystems there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I can't be gone for two years. Two years is so long. I won't even know my parents when I come back. And now, of course, looking back on that, it's a blip. <laughs> so I think that's, that's part of the problem with taking action is you think, well, if I go two steps down and it's the wrong path, I'll have lost all that time. Right. And I'll never be able to get back. But in the reality, that's a hundred. So not true. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. The question is how do you just encourage people to fail, right. Or to have the courage to, to, to take the step and potentially fail. Yeah. I, I like that. It's almost that this is something I like to talk with people. It's a process oriented mindset. They use it all the time in sports. It's like, especially in basketball, I played basketball for a little bit when I was in high school. And the funny thing is, is when you're playing, you mess up like 80% of the time. Like there's always a coach screaming at you saying, what are you doing? Like, and it's funny. Cause I think sports actually teach you to say, Hey, it's okay to fail. Like yeah. at the end of the day though, it matters. Hey, what that score says, like, it doesn't matter. Oh, five plays ago that you traveled or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, it comes down to, Hey, what is going to happen in crunch time? What's, going to be the end result. What are you going to do? And I think people that just have the consistency to keep working at it, learning, growing, mm -hmm. they're going to get the end result that they want because it's just, they want it so bad. Right. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. And then after that, I'm going to ask you the intelligent question of the day. But <laughs> so when it comes to your R versus should problem, I, how would you solve that? I, I want to know what that is, I, I feel like I still don't grasp what exactly. Yeah, that right. Is. Well, I mean, yeah. So I think it, the, the, another example would be sort of like when you um, like feel like maybe you should, this is a big one for people, I think, decide that you want to get married or whether you're going to have kids. You know, there's got to be a way. You, what, you, what you want is a definitive answer. You want to say, <laughs> okay, self, do I want to have kids? And you just wait for like, <laughs> yes or no. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. And so I think we've lost that ability to sort of listen to our, or, you know, again, I'm speaking for me mostly in my generation, lost the ability to, to, to be able to listen to ourselves. And so in, in place of figuring out what we really want, we allow, I mean, the shoulds are going to win. Whatever is out there going, do this, that's what you're going to do. And so you know, it, it could be, it's like, I'm going to take a job. Like, say you get offered a job and it's, you're going to make a whole bunch of money, but you got to move to like where I live, like the middle of nowhere where there's nothing to do. And you're afraid maybe 
you're not going to be happy. You're not going to meet people, but the money, you know, there's a way to get inside yourself and answer that question. That's meaningful. And then there's a way to sort of avoid it out of fear or making the wrong decision or fear failure. And, And as soon as that opportunity presents itself, something's going to come in and go, take the money. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's the, the solution to the problem is learning how to connect back to yourself the way that we did for the first, you know, 200,000 years of homo sapiens existence on the planet. You know, I, I look back and say a lot of this happened like two to 4,000, maybe five, 10,000 years ago when our species sort of shifted in the way it does did things. And then, um, culminated at sort of like the industrial revolution where we made this massive shift uh, where technology sort of got in the way and we just lost touch with our hippie selves or, you know, or, or, or more touchy feely selves and the ability to hear that. And so I think the R is there for everybody. It's our intuition. It's our gut. You know, yeah. you probably experience it in sports when you have this seconds, like, do I pass or shoot? And you make a decision and then you can go back and sort of say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? And it's like, well, maybe, you can think and go, oh, I, I, I knew that I was open, but it didn't pass because I thought I should pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we just don't know how to do that. And I think with the change in my generation and then everybody younger than me, there's more and more people out there that are figuring out how to do that on our own and collectively with things like therapy or. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the pathway to success. <laughs> Yeah, I I love it. I I love it. So I'm going to I'm going to drop the intelligent question of the day on you. So here here it is. So the pathway that you were talking about, how do you enjoy the process of that path, right? How do you enjoy it? Because I think you want to enjoy that present moment. So how do you enjoy the process of becoming who you are in the future? That is awesome. That's such a, that is it, right? That's the, that's a million dollar question. And I think lot, there's lots of people who have written about this. There's lots of books. There's lots of ways uh, like Eckhart Tolle. Uh, what is it? Be here now. Or, um, the, you know, it's the journey. It's not the destination for me. I had to learn a specific, I had to, I had to deal with some problems. Like I had to identify the impediments to doing that. I, I struggled with being in the moment and sort of being obsessed with the goal and, and hurrying, even hurrying up to get to the goal, you know, like, and, and, and then being like, what did I do for the last three years? Like I got the PhD, but there's very little about the five years of grad school that I can remember because I was in such a hurry. And so it's been things like, um, you know, uh, learning what my limiting beliefs are, learning what it was that I was taught as a kid that I was unaware of that's getting in my way and causing me to think like this and sort of learning to let go of those things and think for myself. Um, something like the, the big ones people struggle with is I'm not good enough or I, I don't belong here or there's something wrong with me or I'm different. You know, those sort of things get in the way of enjoying the moment because you're so obsessed with the world seeing you as being successful. So it's like letting go of the ego. Uh, and then the big one, and I never would have told you this, like even two or three years ago, I thought this was a bunch of hokey crap is meditation Dude. and mindfulness, because that's what's taught me how to stop and remind myself, oh, I want to enjoy this. Stop rushing. You're rushing. I just couldn't do that. And, and I didn't, 
and this is the weirdest thing. And I want your listeners to know, it's like, I didn't know meditate. That's not why I meditate. I didn't think that's why I was meditating. But now looking back, I realized that in forcing myself to at least learn how to meditate, I've developed that skill. And so mm-hmm. that, that there's like, I think there's a set of things that people can do to help them, you know, snap out of the, the, you know, the destination seeking and enjoy the, the journey. I love that answer. Everyone that everyone that's listening right now, that is the intelligent answer of the day right there. That was great. So yeah, I kind of want to, I want to touch on that. Uh, like just add on to what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your take? I want to hear what you think about. That. I think some of the best, th- this is something that I've learned. I would say maybe a couple months ago and I was sitting there. I, I'll just be honest. I was kind of miserable. I was just like, this sucks. Like, why am I doing this? Like, Cause I'm seeing all, all these other people just, I mean, social media does its job, right? It's like, they only post the good stuff. Yeah, like, man, yeah. I'm only seeing them. I'm like, I'm working my butt off and they're out there partying. Like what's going on. Yeah. And I, I finally sat there and I was having a conversation with my mother and I was like, wow, what, what seems to be the problem? And then she's like, well, look how far you've come. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I was like, <laughs> she's like, well, take a step back. And like, look at what you've done the past year. And I'm like, well, I've done this and this and this. And then I, as I'm talking myself through what I've done, I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I've done, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes or something. And right. then she's like, yeah. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I'm like, so my take on that is you have to be able to take a step back and reflect on what you have done and say, Hey, I've had failures before and guess what happened? You worked through it. It's all good, <laughs> right. right? Like right. even though you're stressed to the core right now, you're having you feel like a failure right now, guess what? You know from the past experience that this is going to happen right here. And I'm like I'm like, man, I need to reflect more on my life. I need to like record some of these things. Like I've journaled a couple of the things that, hey, this is stuff you've done yeah. and I I love reading <laughs> back on some of that stuff cuz I'm like Man, I, I love reading like 14-year-old me because I'm like, man, you were an angry kid. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta I'm like good thing we you're not are. that anymore. Or I read my 16-year-old self. I'm like, really? That was your biggest problem? Man, that's nothing. Like you were so and so that's my way of like enjoying the processes. Like, hey, look how far you've come, man. Like, yeah. enjoy this moment right here. So thank you for coming on. I've I've really enjoyed what you've had to say, really what things that you had to say. So if people want to reach out to you or like, I don't know if you have any books or like you want people to do business with you or anything, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you and do that? Yeah. I don't have anything to sell yet. Maybe one day, but I (laughs) blog podcast and have a YouTube channel, but it's all housed at www.chrisbercher.com, which is C-H-R-I-S-B-U-R-C-H-E-R.com. And I write on medium and I've got social media pages and stuff, but most of the stuff is going to be on my blog, which has got links to the podcast and all that. Or you can subscribe to Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, which is the name of the podcast. And and I, and yeah, I got to say, I, I really appreciate you cementing a lot of things I've been thinking about and sort of validating and verifying and representing, you know, uh, your, your, your point of view for me, because it's going to be really helpful in some of the stuff I've been working on in my head. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's definitely a journey. I will say that. So thank you for coming on. <laughs> I really enjoyed having you on this show. So just yeah, thank you so much, man. No, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
All right, everyone, that is Chris Bircher. As you can tell, he's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I would take a lot of his things, apply them into your lives, and do what you can to live a better life. So stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up. See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey, everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.